So hello everyone. I'm Gavin Allen, this is Excel Elites, and today we are speaking with Andy Vigress, Managing Director of MRC UK Limited for some 24 plus years, which is an amazing achievement in this modern world. And previously a consultant with Capgemini, Andy's depth and breadth of experience is certainly extraordinary, and we look forward to hearing about Andy's journey and thoughts as a seasoned veteran, I hope he doesn't mind me saying that, of this space. And basically, the art of application development with low-code application software. So, Andy, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, thank you. Thank you for such an introduction. No, absolutely fine. I hope you didn't mind the, uh, the seasoned veteran bit. Um, so, you know, from, from my point of view... Um, you know, I think I think for my audience, it, it is all about our experiences. Um, before we get stuck straight into the detail, Andy, um, just just tell us why um, the UK business is out is centred out of Richmond. Just that's Richmond, Surrey, not Richmond, Virginia. So uh, yeah, just give us a sense of why Richmond. Um, well, the question is where should one be based and. In this day and age, it doesn't really matter where you are because you can, as we are now, communicating via the internet. And uh, our staff at MRC are actually based all over the UK. So the office is a fairly low footprint itself. And I just wanted the office somewhere where I like to be. So it's very selfish. <laughs> I tell you what, that's, that's absolutely perfect. And I think it's a great segue into what we're going to discuss over the next sort of half an hour or so. So Andy, your experience is certainly vast. Your time is extremely valuable. Um, but could you tell our audience a little bit about MRC and how you believe it can transform modern businesses today? Oof, right. Uh, well, MRC, I set up the UK office back in 94. Um, and we, the company is MRC and we've got one product. It's called Empower. It's the only thing we do and it's a low-code development tool. Um, and we've out of our US and UK offices, we've got about 1,500 clients in many, many, many different business sectors, helping them with different issues. Um, so can you remind me of the question, where am I heading? <laughs> yeah, it was just, um, you know, it's not, you know, when we look at this, this low code market, um, you know, MRC is under the radar, but I believe offers, you know, a superior platform. It was just to give a sense to our audience about, um, you know, MRC as a company um, and I guess how it can, how your platform can transform businesses. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, well, um, the world is changing faster and faster all the time and we all want as consumers or as businesses want things faster and that means that business has got to change and adapt much more quickly. And that's sort of the background context where our offering fits in because um, underpinning all those changes businesses need IT systems naturally but mm. they need them to change and adapt faster than ever before and that's where Empower fits in. So our market is companies that are trying to tackle with the uh, deal with the dynamism that they need. So it's allowing them to be fleet of foot uh, to adapt permanently or even experimentally in their sector to just keep moving forward rather than uh, the old uh, traditional long software implementation. Yeah. So you mentioned there experimentally. So the, the Empower platform um, is really that capable in terms of being agile and receptive to change. 
yes, short answer, slightly longer answer is if one of our customers writes a whole application that they end up throwing away, I actually don't mind. It's helped them learn. It might have gotten further forwards, but it's just part of that process of them becoming a, um, a better company. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a great point there, Andy. The, you know, the fact that, you know, you've mentioned there, we, we could throw an application away and start again, I think speaks volumes. Um, so in terms of the Empower platform, that is the that is the the software, if you like, that is behind MRC. That's correct. Yes, okay. it's a product that we we're the authors of and it's um, we then provide it to our customers and they use Empower to do their agile development. And do you find yourself um, educating and coaching as opposed to developing with the client? Because I think we all know that um, we can get into consultancy engagements and oh, what fun that is. Um, do you genuinely find that after an initial maybe suite of guidance consulting um, that a client is self-sufficient? Uh, they definitely are self-sufficient. Uh, we have a lot of experience and skills that we can bring to bear from all the many industries and projects we've been involved with. But the key thing uh, for it to be a successful relationship for our clients is they might have a small amount of training from us, but then it's enabler, an enabler for them to do what they need themselves quickly themselves mm. rather than having to get consultants in, agree terms, agree um, specifications, so forth. The right relationship with our offering is, is enabling them to develop themselves. So it's their experience of their business mm. uh, and their desires for their business that drive what they create with Empower. Yeah, and I think that speaks volumes about the platform and the solution. Um, you know, just again, speaking from my experience, so often business processes have to be shoehorned into the way that uh, um, a platform operates. Um, now, in your sort of, you know, your general consulting and implementation of the Empower solution, do you find yourself dealing more with finance, who are a funny bunch? Um, and I mean that in the most genuine and sincere <laughs> of ways. <laughs> or, oh do you tend to, yeah, or do you tend to find yourself more um, talking to the, you know, the, the IT and tech community in an organisation? Um, often we're, we're talking to the IT guys, um, almost as often to the finance guys, but it can be broader than that. It can, uh, I think of it that we sell a blank sheet of paper, but it's a very clever blank sheet of paper. So that clever blank sheet can solve many different needs, be it from a, um, I don't know, a warehouse manager to a marketing department to finance and so on. We certainly do have a lot of users in finance. Um, they are looking at the value of things for a business, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, in, in some of my uh, earlier podcasts, you know, the value of finance is, is still there and a seat at the board table uh, is equally important. But, well, um, and they, they are more uh, interested in the breadth of the business. Hmm. Someone in a, a niche department has a, a particular focus, but finance are interested in the general broader profitability. And so they are a a good key point of contact between us and their organization love to hear that andy because being an accountant um, <laughs> i see myself as so vital and important but no I, I i do get that sort of depth and breadth um so you know let, let's dive into a little bit about I, i'm fascinated by this whole 
um, this whole area of application development, you know, putting this in the hands of, you know, let's say non-programmers. So when you define an application, um, do you think low code is always the answer or is there always going to be an element of I need to learn this programming language, that programming language, etc.? Right, well, well, what is low code as well uh, is the first point here. And our interpretation, which I think is a fairly common one here, is low code is, means it, in our case, it's a wizard interface that means a person creating applications does not, need, does not need to write any program code. It's just a wizard. They pick things it builds, be it a, um, a debt chasing application or a, a forecasting system, budgeting system, whatever. They can do it without writing any program code. That's the aim. But I think you asked whether it's the full panacea, if I can Yeah, you. Absolutely. Yeah, that was my the, the behind my question, really. Um, well, we the answer is no, it's not the full panacea. And our tool deliberately is open to allow people to introduce their own code. And that's not saying they always need to and have to, but the big point about this is if you buy a tool and start writing a whole suite of applications for your business and then it fails, it can't meet one tiny requirement, but you're back to the drawing board and have mm. to do something else. With Empower, that means just a few hours, a few days work with that hook might get you over the line. So yeah. the ability to add your own code, um, though not always ideal, it gets you over the line and it means you're still solving those business needs. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm thankful for the honesty there because you know so often um, you know I'll discuss software solutions with you know with heads of various other vendors and they will lay claim that we do everything you don't need to go back office. So really encouraging, I think, for our audience to hear that you know whilst eighty to ninety percent is front end. You know, sometimes there is the need to get back into that uh, age-old programming. And members of my audience, there are some of my audience that still, you know, are in that programming camp. So really well, actually, a bit, bit more I can add to that is uh, I'd say that when we're discussing some a project with a potential client, you don't know the full details, nor today at that point, of what are the finer details in that project. And there might be subsequent projects to follow on as well that should ideally be considered. Mm. Now, with Empower, we can say it will do everything you need, even if there are some tricky bits that crop up. The solution for those really, really, really tricky bits is, okay, a, a few hours, few days, actual coding, if really needed, but it still gets you to the completed solution. So starting out on a fundamental project, we know we can get there. Yeah, I guess, you know, I, I also see that as a big positive. You know, it's not a, a complete closed system that you can't get into. It's, an, you know, forgive the pun, it is an empowering tool, um, but allows you that, um, you know, that level of granular coding, if, if you want to call it that, as required. Now, you touched on there about applications. Well, you know, just how complex can these applications be? Give our audience a sense of the complexity. Uh, right. uh, uh, how complex they well, they can be very complex we have customers that have written really simple things from just some say some dashboards business intelligence mm. or at the other end uh, we have software houses or banks using our software that have written software as uh, software houses, they've written software as service solutions mm. that they provide by the web 
to global businesses. And if we then come into between there, into the middle, we've got more uh, everyday things, providing yeah. portals for order taking solutions or for remote staff. Um, these are just different needs that, in my mind, are just using info, be it info going in or out. It's just yeah. new ways of using info in those businesses. Yeah, and I think that's a good analogy, you know, sort of, I deliberately kept that question quite broad in terms of complex, but I think the ability to, um, you know, work with information and deliver something, you know, that is tailored to that client is, is vital. When you, you, you mentioned their banking, you know, and I think, you know, for our audience that are potentially working in the banking sector, we all know how complex in terms of not logical complexity, um, but you know the processing complexity how that can be quite uh, tricky in the finance sector well um, the, the key thing that uh, crops up there is also security yes yeah that was good <laughs> that, that's a nice segue onto one of my other questions here which um, and let, let, let's let's dive into that right now you okay. know I, I think with the ability to develop your, your own platform with, with the software what sort of security protocols do you use or have you got in your application that could put our audience mind at ease in terms of security of data uh, well this gets a bit oh my phone goes I that's all right <laughs> nice to see that you're busy <laughs> uh, I, I won't take that order uh, <laughs> shows it's a live live session so that's great <laughs> Security. Uh, you, we've uh, got a number of large and serious customers that have done penetration testing of the applications that Empower builds, and they have found it fine on all of their various tests, or not fine, but easily addressed by just changing configurable options. But it's always been able to deliver what they need. Um, now, your question was actually the how. Uh, well, things that go on in amongst the well, Empower generates Java servlets. You don't need to know how to write any Java, but underneath, behind the scenes, it's Java servlets running in one's computer machine room, hmm. not on any device. They're behind a firewall in the machine room. And Java is the language that's used for parts of all the main services in the, on the, the web. I mean, Amazon, Google, eBay, others use Java behind their websites. So it is a robust, widely used language and we're using the same. Now, use a simple wizard with Empower, and we've made it create code that includes lots of really important security uh, features, um, such as, I'll just blast through a few, mm. uh, SQL injection blocking, whitelisting, cryptography support, um, session management, something called CSRF protection, and so on. There's lots of technical guff that goes on, but you don't need to know about it. Um, so at the end of all this, you can just write the, I don't know, say dashboards of all that you want with Empower, and with a minor bit of advice if needed, and that, I'm telling you a few hours advice, yeah, yeah, can be robustly business proper secure. So it sounds like as, uh, and I, I do like the, you know, the, the more natural language, the technical guff, because that, that's how I would refer to all of that. <laughs> that the, if a platform can just shield 
uh, you from that. Great. But I also think that that says a lot about Andy as well. You know, you, you really do know your stuff, even if it's at that technical level. And I guess your expertise is joining process and technology very much like I've done uh, in my past as well. So, um, you know, our audience can, can basically feel in safe hands should they engage with you um, in a consultancy yeah. project. So let's talk about data quality. Um, you know, you can have the most premium software application out there, but if the client data is not of good quality, how do you address that question? Do you just walk in and walk out or do you help or, because there is part of us that says, oh, let's just, let's, let's get out of here because the client's data is not in good shape. But what's the honest answer to that? How do you address that? Wow. Um, I think, of it, I think of this as there are, uh, if I can paraphrase uh, a certain American politician, there are known unknowns and unknown unknowns. By which, in plain English, I mean, do you know if you've got poor quality data or are you about to find out you've got poor quality data? Mm. Um, I, I, to gain good quality data, it relies on good management of a company as a whole. One person, one department can't solve it. It's got to be a whole business-wide mindset. So I think that's the background challenge. You've got to have team mm. throughout a business uh, buying into having good data. So yeah, absolutely, I agree. Now, with that background, you, you pose, well, if we turn up and say we want to write some business intelligence for you or help you, but the data's poor, well, what do you do? Um, well, one option is say, sort your data out and we'll come back in six months or a year when you've sorted and they probably wouldn't have. I mm. think that's far too puritanical. What you need are some quick wins of some simpler BI due to the poor nature of the data, but simple quick wins that of themselves educate the business users more about their data, the benefits of better data, and it's helping steer that collective effort to improve their, the whole setup. Um, yeah, so it's then an evolutionary process of getting more data out and making the data go in better, in a better state. Uh, I think that's that's getting everyone on the same page and you're moving forwards, rather than hey, let's just put it all on hold and uh, do some fantastic all singing solution that probably isn't what you wanted in the first place. Mm. Is in a year's time. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I love that phrase, uh, puritanical. Uh, I just because I think it actually I always look for these sound bites and uh, I already have many Andy so that's a great great expression. Okay, well, I, I um, from a IT philosophical point of view, I'd say I'm a pragmatist rather than puritan. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, definitely. Um, but I think the takeaway there is sometimes you need a project um, to unearth the, the, yeah, the client yes. data because up until that point, everyone's probably blissfully unaware of any issues. And, uh, you know, I think that's where this, this ability to, to work with data as well as a, a low code platform um, can help the client on that journey. Uh, very well, much that. so. Yeah, on that dealing with that poor data and that, that journey, that's where an agile, flexible solution uh, is a key part of that. If you have a traditional data warehousing solution that takes months to design and implement, if you've not fully understood your data, you're going to design something that doesn't meet any useful or particularly useful requirement at the end of it. Correct. It yes. will be a leviathan that you've then got to 
slowly change course on yeah, a, an agile tool, that means you can quickly be steering that tiller a bit as the journey progresses. Mm, yeah, definitely, totally agree with that. You briefly mentioned business intelligence um, in the last sort of um, responses to questions, etc. So, um, as I understand it, MRC or the Empower platform is much more than just a BI tool, isn't it, Andy? Yes. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned about building applications. Does that actually allow users to write back data? I'm assuming it does, but just to make absolutely clear that it does allow users to not only interact with data in read-only, but also write back? Uh, yes, and there's a whole uh, gamut of requirements or reasons why you need to do that. Um, let's say you've got a dashboard where it's showing sales year-to-date by some variety of criteria you might want to compare those to some forecasts. And, you, and well, then the next question is, where are those forecasts stored? They might not be anywhere, perhaps on several different users' PCs and spreadsheets, but you want them on the dashboard that everyone can see and share. So with Empire, you could put those forecasts into a new table stored in your, to one side on your database. Mm. Everyone is, that's allowed to can edit those forecasts or see them, and it gives you a real-time merging of that forecast data with the live sales data to everyone's dashboards. So it's just a simple example. Mm. Um, more complex of data entry, um, I think one of our clients, a major fire service, they've got a whole perch sort of processing system written using Empower. So it was a blank canvas day one, mm. and they've written the whole database. So people can enter their purchase orders and do the... Um, request for authorization and uh, maybe escalation procedures and validation around that uh, and even communication with suppliers to then place the orders and that whole database so that's way beyond just the dashboard absolutely yes i think uh, i think we've left dashboards right behind there <laughs> i think in terms of that you know that broad complexity and it's what i see an awful lot i'll go into organizations and what they're really seeking is not a point solution let's just to say do budgeting and planning they're looking for something to um you know not, i'm not going to say completely automate but certainly get down that automation of a specific business process but starting with a blank canvas um i guess when you go into to clients maybe they don't know what that process is or they have an idea do you find visualizing it just by a you know old school drawing of diagrams really helps or um do you have other ways of getting behind that process uh i love doing proof of concepts with companies for this purpose um because our tool empower is so fast to write things we can actually create a real solution in a few hours or maybe a day or two. And that's not necessarily the end point. It's just something to touch and feel and people to react to. So mm. rather than um, some flat images just drawn on a whiteboard or something, we're giving people screens they can actually use and play with and then respond to. And we do get some great responses to that, which might be trivial of can you move this field over to the right or we don't want this one here we want it down the bottom left or so forth or we want a link to do this but it's allowed them to prod and poke and have that conversation to gradually lead towards their final uh, requirement yeah i think that's yeah i think there's nothing like seeing elements of your business process and your data 
actually in the solution that you're considering so i think that that offering of a proof of concept is so vital and it was a subject that i was going to explore about the value of a proof of concept but you've just answered that um so yeah it, it's nice to hear that those values of proof of concept still exist well it, when it's not just the screens it's using their data as well so the wider user community in whichever business they, they can be shared and they can all relate to what you're looking at mm, yeah definitely Andy, i'd be interested on your take on spreadsheets um because you know some of my audience are you know the strange breed of accounting and finance um and we love our spreadsheets um what's your take on that and do you think we can ever replace them uh, well i love spreadsheets too and i don't want to lose them but it's only in the right place. That's the key thing. Now, we've got to work out what the right place is. Um, and having when we do work that out, you've got to have a clear message around one's business of when it's right or not right to use spreadsheets. So round. Uh, mm. about when it's not appropriate, yeah? Yeah, and I, I agree. Um, despite, okay. the, despite the advances in technology, I don't think we'll ever lose spreadsheets. There's a time and a place, as you quite rightly say. Yeah, um, so, and I so, think in complement with technology, that certainly helps. Yeah, so we, we're not trying to replace Excel for a second, but mm. where it's in the wrong place. Now, that, uh, the description I have for that in my head is when Excel is being used as a database, but that's, uh, and I probably need to expand on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's when it's being used to store data that should really be shared amongst many users. It might need to do validation against other tables. It might have um, be part of a workflow system. So we're now moving into an application rather than just a spreadsheet. So let's say I'm entering all uh, details about orders into something, and then you have to do the next task. If we're doing a spreadsheet, we both have to use the same spreadsheet. And so you're seeing bits that are only relevant to me and the other way around. Mm. In an application, I just have the screen that just lets me get on and quickly do what I'm interested in. And likewise, an application will give you just a screen for your task and it's securing and making sure we don't trip over each other, we don't make mistakes. It's become a database application rather than a spreadsheet that's being fudged to solve a business need. Yeah, I, again, I was interviewing a colleague only but last week where we were talking about how spreadsheets are a great graphical user interface but not a database and you've just echoed that so uh, i think for my audience just bear that in mind so I, I that is my clearest message is if it's being a database you're in the wrong place with a spreadsheet yeah. but also you've got, you've got to be really careful because spreadsheets can um, can lead to expensive errors I'd, i've come across various studies that show that one percent of cells in spreadsheets are wrong the formulae are wrong well, 1%, that means in a 10 by 10 grid, one of them is wrong. And every spreadsheet is more than 10 by 10. Mm. Um, and that then can lead to really expensive mistakes. And you, I'm sure you've come across some of the bigger examples out there on the web. Oh, yes. Yeah. P. Morgan's one where uh, some cutting and pasting uh, in a, um, an application mm. Uh, led to them losing six billion dollars because they can't paste it the wrong way. Yeah, it's it's incredible, isn't it? You know that. Um, you know, I think in in the modern times, you know that that word six billion, 
you know, for any size company, no matter how big you are. Um, and obviously that's a very large enterprise. That's a significant error. Or, or um, you come to smaller examples out there. So it's only, dare I say, it's something like 20 million has been, mm. million has been lost. But it's the ill discipline that can occur with spreadsheets. And if the rightly the better designed database application would avoid that. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I love that visualization. It, as I sit here talking to you, Andy, that um, 10 by 10 grid, one of those cells is likely to be wrong. And then you went on to say that most Excel spreadsheets are significantly more than 10 by 10. I just, you know, I'm just, I'm visualizing now that 10 by 10 grid with one cell in red and then expanding and blowing that up into a spreadsheet. And you start thinking, I'm never using a spreadsheet ever again. Well, what a, what a great visual cue as to the, the, the dangers of spreadsheets. Be careful. That's all I say. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Andy, you've had 24 years running the UK operation at MRC. Um, does technology still keep you so engaged? I mean, how, just, just tell our audience, you know, what, 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 what makes you tick in terms of technology? You obviously love what you're doing, you know, 20 odd years uh, in role, but you know, what is it? What, what is it that, uh, that makes Andy tick? Right, you, you're almost making me sound like a bit of a geek there. But no, no, I'll, I'll be the first to admit I'm the biggest geek out there. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's not a problem at all. Um, what I love is what software does for a business rather than software for software's sake. And we're always dealing with different companies and it's the different requirements crop up. So uh, just in the last few days, I've been talking to one company about their issue is booking passengers onto charter flights and also a company that makes dashboards for cars or a company that does insurance premium tax for global finance directors. It's just getting into the nuts and bolts of these different business requirements is what primarily drives me. Uh, but the geek in me does like the technology that we are continually bringing to Empower. So I'm kind of getting a win-win, I suppose, out of this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, I think when we first met, uh, Andy, I think we shared that passion for, as you say, not software for software's sake, but, you know, every day is different. You know, every client has a different, a different challenge, and it's great joining the dots. Well, actually, if I give you a different example. Wait, before I started MRC, uh, when I did my degree in computing, we, what we had to do a project analyzing a local business to introduce some computerization. The team I was with, we analyzed the business, and actually at the time just recommended they improve their paperwork. Mm. And we got... <laughs> A really good mark for our thesis on that because we were just interested in helping the business yeah it's kind of wrong but it was right actually it is the people part isn't it yeah people are still vital they're a vital piece of the jigsaw um and you know that's humbling you know we we, we can talk technology and we are do on this podcast but the the, the importance of people in a business um i it's think good, we I think we underestimate that value um, in yeah. terms of what people bring to the table. Yeah, what, why are you doing something? It's got to add value to the business, improve it in some way, and uh, otherwise it's, you're, not, you're not in the right place. <laughs> exactly. So talking about sort of 
sort of geeks and and you know people that love their technology do you find us mere mortals as accountants and finance do you think we're more tech savvy than we've ever been or do we not admit that too loudly um finance they are definitely more tech savvy but actually they were pretty good in the first instance compared to other departments um and it's, it's, it's just getting better. And what is good, I think, out of that is they, they understand the application of IT. Um, and actually, they're not, rather than tech savvy, also, I think finance people are not so precious about the, we've always done it this way. I think finance people are actually quite open-minded mm. to new ways of working. Yeah, I, I, I mean, we're bordering on finance people being innovative. So uh, it's, I, I do see it. I do see it as a trend where, as you quite rightly say, um, the, the reception to new technology is, is certainly there and the appetite to look at uh, better ways of working is only great for us as, um, you know, organisations that implement solutions on a daily basis. So it's, it's good to hear that. Really yeah, good. that's that's quite a wide view. I, I'm I, I've, I'm I'm quite comfortable dealing with finance people. They they've got the right attitude. Hmm. Well, we're talking, so that's a start, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I mean the the, the platform empower um, really does does sound like you know it can transform um, the the landscape of any organisation in any area. Um, do, do you find yourself helping, you know, the finance team out with applications and processes? You briefly alluded it to it, you know, with like order management and that type of thing. Um, I, yeah, and it, it depends what their business is, what their needs are. But finance are always a, um, a good contact. They can be quite pedantic and picky but that's for good reason I, i've got no complaints they, if they have specific needs then they're, they're asking for a good reason and we'll, we'll help them out excellent um, my aim is to enable them I mean, when i say helping them out the best way is back to something i said earlier on is a short initial um, sort of relationship after which we're an, an enabler that lets them do what they want themselves yeah and i think it's you know sort of that that being able to do a proof of concept and to be able to to visualize I think demonstrates the characteristics of a you understanding and relating back but also the power of your platform um, yes I've, I've often found it a great way to strike up that uh, that rapport with a with a potential prospect well it's necessary it can give uh, it gives a bit of proof and it certainly gives reassurance and reassurance to a wider group at that target company of mm -hmm how this thing will look and feel so the proof of concept is letting them rather than just understand a theory of it or the the, the, the the hypothetical will do what they need it actually gives them something tangible to touch excellent yeah now you know for my audience i'm going to leave links to um you know andy's profile and also how you can contact andy um, but for the benefit of our audience you know, reaching out to you, Andy, how long does a proof of concept typically take? And I know that's a, a very ambiguous question, but if it was, you know, a very um, focused proof of concept, you know, are we talking sort of three, four months before we would see anything? I think you're over-egging it there. Um, <laughs> okay. How long does it take? It will take us between half a day and two days. Um, uh, just going to dwell on that half a day to two days yeah oh yes wow um we re recently wrote a 
uh, well, a company that spent in the order of £20,000 on a spreadsheet to do a costing system. And it was not doing what they wanted. So they effectively were throwing that money away. They decided it was not the route. Mm. In two days, we wrote an equivalent costing application using Empower as a proof of concept. Well, I think, you, we, we, I think people need to be clicking on the links below and speaking to you because, you know, I've, I've seen so many proof of concepts actually never get to a, a demonstration step. And yet you're well, talking s- about a couple of days, which is, it, which is awesome. Well, to start it off, I'd sit down and ideally sit down and meet with uh, the company and just talk around it to make sure uh, we're all heading in the right direction that's going to address what they want. And that's just fairly informal. Uh, yeah. I'd take some uh, aspects away with me and then uh, we'd create that proof of concept and share it with them later that same week or into the next week and might have further discussions and iterations. But it, the aim is to make it an easy process and fast them to see, can it do what they want oh yeah i mean that's just that's that's the the i mean hopefully you don't mind me saying this the voice of authority but also the voice of experience there um <laughs> it is i mean again we're, we're, we're circling back onto you know the people aspect and really getting behind um you know the processes so we're, we're coming towards the end of our time andy um, I'd, I'd be interested on your take on artificial intelligence just while i've got you on the call do you see that coming through very much or machine learning? Or do you think we're still a long way away from realizing the benefits of that? Uh, I would, I think it's very niche right now. Um, it's not becoming mainstream in the markets we're dealing with. Uh, but one thing that we've added to Empower actually is dealing with big data. And that's not just some fancy words, it's actual technology. So there is, a, a one means of having massive databases is called Hadoop, and we've got a relationship with them where we can store, we, we can create applications that interact uh, and deal with those large volumes. So, as we head into the Internet of Things and of that ilk, we're positioning ourselves as a tool that can help companies deal with that. So, does that kind of help? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know, it's something that I think it, it's buzzwords and phrases that are being thrown around quite quite liberally in businesses um you know i'll put it out there i think we've got to take stock of of that before we actually realize what it can do well some um, companies might be looking for ai and, and it, they genuinely need it which i which is fine some might just want some smart business intelligence it depends what they are actually after it's it's like i have some companies ask me and i have one this morning saying they want a crm and we discussed it a bit and mm. the choice for them was spend many hundreds of thousands of pounds on a big CRM system, but actually they didn't really want all of that functionality. They wanted a CRM in their mind. And it's, mm-hmm. a, case of, it's a case of what it actually, and Empower is, is fine for what they're after. Yeah. Um, same question on AI. What does it actually mean to a company? And what, do they, what are they after? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've actually got a podcast coming in the next couple of weeks with an authority on AI. So it'll be interesting on someone that lives, eats and breathes that and how they okay. see that uh, coming yeah. through. So apart from being on this podcast, Andy, what, what would you say has been your biggest high in terms of, of business over 24 years? Um, running a company for 24 years and never making a loss. I That's... That's that's fantastic, yeah. I mean, that is 
absolutely admirable. I mean, that, I'm just going to put it out on record. Grey hairs, but there we are. Yeah. I think that is a, a really great way with which to close our discussion. So I'm going to, as I say, for my audience, all of Andy's links are, and contact details will be in the, the podcast description. I urge you to reach out to Andy. I think, you know, th th this is a subject that um, some of you may or may not know about, you know, the low code platforms. You can tell from Andy's wealth of experience that there is, there is a way that your business can benefit from Andy's experience. So Andy, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you today. I firmly believe that low code platforms for business and finance development are certainly on the rise. And for you, you've been doing this for 24 years. So that's great. And I wish you every success in taking the market by storm. Thank you, Andy. It's been a, a total pleasure to chat with you today. Mutual. Thank you very much. Thanks again, Andy. Bye-bye now. Okay. Bye.